This is a Broad Pods production. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host today is the hilarious Kirsty Wiebeck. It's so awesome to see you. Hello, it's so great to see you too. How are you going? Oh, Kirsty, you don't know how many people have said to me, where's Kirsty? We haven't seen Kirsty in so long. You've been so busy out on the road. I have, yes. Uh, and like all good things, it must come to an end. And now I'm in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to take advantage of that. And by the way, we're celebrating our 30th episode today. Da, 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 da. Happy birthday. I That's know. heaps. That's it amazing. And I'm, unlike when I actually turned 30, I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah, okay, good, because you've created something great. Uh, Not so much when you were turning 30? Oh, look, I don't know. I look back and I thought I was happy then, but now at 49, so much happier. I don't know about you. But 30, you think that the world is in your oyster and it's not necessarily really. Yeah, it's not, is it? Uh, Yeah, I had an okay time turning 30, but I think I'm the same as you. I feel better as I'm getting older, which Mm. is good because we'll continue to get older. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's it. God willing. <laughs> yes, God willing. We have an awesome Time show. Time is still linear, Joe. <laughs> I know, damn it. Is it? I don't know. I can't tell anymore. We're locked down. <laughs> but we have got a really beautiful show coming up for you. We're going to bring you a really brilliant preview of the Olympic Games. It starts on Friday with sports journal Kate O'Halloran who unlike us is an expert in sports. Um, We also are going to be exploring full body acceptance, which sounds like an ideal, but I think it is possible. We're gonna be talking with the body image therapist, Ashley Bennett, who's just the most beautiful, inspiring young woman. And in just a moment, one of my favorite comedians, Julia Morris is gonna be joining us. All right, just a little bit of housekeeping at the top. If you are watching on YouTube, it would be awesome if you could like and subscribe us. If you're watching on Facebook, it would be lovely if you liked and followed us. You can always catch up on every episode of Broad Radio via our podcast. Broad Radio on the go. We love it when you join us with your comments as you watch the 
show live. And you can always join our conversation with our one question poll that we ask every week. It's a different question every week. Um, the last week, Kirsty, we have had so much contention around this one issue, which was in our more to say poll, which you prefer body wash or soap now. <laughs> oh. We're not solving the world's greatest issues with this. <laughs> it's important i'm going with um body wash well i said body wash too and it's my greatest joy to know that actually mm -hmm. majority of broad radio listeners much prefer body wash and so therefore i've been proved right it's really important to me that i always indicated am. <laughs> vindicated that's exactly right um this week this week we're asking the question in honor of lockdown Ah, uh, what's been your pyjama wearing habit? Maybe you're always in pyjamas, you're never dressed. Perhaps you make an effort every day to get dressed. Maybe you're a bit of half and half. If you go to broadradio.com.au and enter our survey, you could win one of these beautiful sets of Tencel cotton sheet set, thanks to Sleepmaker. How lovely. You'd never get out of bed, because why would you? We're in lockdown. <laughs> How are you going with lockdown there, Kirsty? I'm going pretty well. I'm wrangling an 11-week-old puppy, so I feel like that's an exacerbating thought. And also a disclaimer, if uh, you see me suddenly diving off the screen, no, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's Joan. But, uh, yeah, lockdown's going all right. It is Joan. She's gorgeous. But uh, how's your lockdown going? Ah, uh, look, I feel very blessed because I get to do broad radio still. I get to do a lot of my work still. And um, we also have a dog in the house who keeps us occupied. And we're going to dive into dog talk later on. But there's Daisy <laughs> who somehow in this instance managed to get Beautiful. a tub of butter off the bench. Not sure exactly how. <laughs> but anyway. Same Daisy. <laughs> crazy Daisy. Um, it's classic Daisy. Um, but look, I just wanted to mention actually two amazing campaigns that have come out of Victoria in the last 24 hours around getting vaccinated. Um, there's this particular campaign, which was created for Victorian Council of Social Services that our own Zoe Daniel worked on. Just here's a little snippet. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID to no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking... Oh, absolutely beautiful. And then out of the arts industry in Victoria, this one was released yesterday. Dear Victoria. We know it's been hard stuck inside for COVID lockdowns. It's been hard for us too. Performing at home just isn't the same. Every <laughs> Oh, that dog made me laugh. Essentially, uh, the arts community in Victoria, of which you are a part, Kirsty, and uh, you've seen mm. plenty, plenty of your industry really struggle. We're just saying uh, it's uh, calling on the Victorian public to give the performance of their lifetime and get vaccinated. It's a pretty simple ask, hey, Kirsty? It is. It is indeed. It's also a beautiful ad. And I think a lot of people are saying on social media that it's very typical of the arts community to band together and, and get some uh, beautiful messaging off the ground. So 
make of that what you will. <laughs> there was no support for the arts. <laughs> no, there was not. And yet we still keep going, trying to make a difference to our community. And all we ask is that if you can, please do get vaccinated. Um, in my lockdown, Kirsty, I've been playing a lot of board games with my daughter, Willow, who's 12. Um, and we play a game in our house called Yahtzee. I don't know if you're across Yahtzee, but it's basically a game where you just, you have five dice, you're rolling sort of, you got to, I don't know, you're just rolling the dice and trying to, you got to fill in the card there, right? Have you ever played Yahtzee? A long time ago. I can't remember how to play it, but I did used to play it a long time ago. All right. Well, all you need to know is the greatest, most exciting thing that can happen in a game of Yahtzee is if you throw five dice with the same number on it, that's called a Yahtzee, right? It's a miracle okay. when it happens once. Yep. This last weekend. Yeah, of course. This last weekend. We, my daughter and I, in one game, rolled five Yahtzees. Wow. I'm telling wow, you. that's huge. It's like, a, it's like we had been transported to a portal, through a portal into a miracle world <laughs> where I can't even tell you, Kirsty. We screamed and laughed and <laughs> cried and danced. And it was, like, <laughs> it was like the happiest day of our lives. I wish I was good at maths because I'd love to just be able to whip out like what the odds are of that. Like I'd just be able to go, do you know the odds are so slim, but an actual figure. That's amazing though. If you weren't in lockdown, you could have had the Guinness Book of World Records there to, you know, make it official for you. Yeah, that's right. But I don't know if you're a board that's game huge. fan. Are you a board game fan? No. Uh <laughs> in a word. I'm not going to jazz it up. No. <laughs> I don't like board games. I think it stems from being forced to play the game of life for hours on end as a child. Yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> that's one of the worst, though. That's a terrible game. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, what small child cares about getting married and buying property and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'm a big backgammon fan and I'm a big chess fan, but I can never find another nerd to play with me. So <laughs> it's mostly backgammon these days for my partner and I. Okay, I don't know how to play backgammon. You'll have to teach me one day. We'll swap Yahtzee and backgammon. I will. Perfect. I'd love that. I'm guessing backgammon requires brains in a way that Yahtzee does not. <laughs> no. Um, really? No, I don't think that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to do with what you roll. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I beat L a lot of the time and it comes down to, for some reason, I am very lucky at rolling doubles. So there's okay. a lot of chance in it as well. All right. So yeah. then here's this is what I propose. Queen's Gambit, the series, but instead of chess, it's mm -hmm. either Yahtzee or Backgammon. So much more enjoyable. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I've been doing in lockdown is doing lots of reading and I read this book and I absolutely loved it. And so let's introduce the author, one of my favourite comedians right now, Julie Morris. Hello. Oh, well, uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> We're really you good. You have to apologise for the absence of my eyes. I don't, I don't really know where they've gone this morning, but I've got the advancing chub. Let's get a little close up. Oh. I've got the advancing chub. So when I wake up in the morning, there's not actually any eye there. <laughs> oh, you're doing the thing that I'm doing, Julia, where I'm going, How, what would happen if that actually went over my eye? Like it's possible that could Oh, it's happen. coming. <laughs> oh, it's coming. I've made the inquiry. I'm not mucking around. Look, I'm not a surgery person. It's not, I have had Botox in the past. I mean, I'm, oh, it still moves a little bit. All the best thing is dead now. And then about 
four months ago, because my dad's are quite advanced over his eyelashes. And four months ago, I woke up on a similar day to today. It must be hay fevery or something's going on. Anyway, because the entire eye is missing. So I'm like, mm, okay, well, I think I'd like to get some knife under that. Oh, no. Oh, I would find that really scary. <laughs> Cut my eyes open, please. Yeah. Hey, Julia. Oh, no. Well, I hope you go to a professional. I mean, to be honest with you, it could be any dream will do at this point. How are you going in lockdown? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think lockdown five might be my number. Mm. It could be my number, lockdown five. I, I thought I was looking, for, I was really looking forward to lockdown four, and then it was just a punish like all the other ones had been. And then, but five, I'm like, okay, I'm going to use that hour and a half or hour and 59 minutes, whatever we get, and I'm going to do some uh, sand walking. Because oh my god, I think I think I might have eat. I think I might have tripled my body weight in um, chocolate raspberries during lockdown <laughs> last year. So this year I'm kind of like oh god, seriously, I can't double again, or can mm. I? <laughs> <laughs> chocolate chocolate raspberries are a good hill to die on, though. Oh yeah, aren't they though? They're worth every moment of it. <laughs> Look, sometimes I'll reach for both the white one and the and the brown and white one, the milk chocolate and the white chocolate, and they're the two packets that I restrict myself to for the hour. <laughs> and then um, they're gone. They're gone in no time. So I'm having to put my foot down about the poor old chocolate raspberries. Oh. It's emotional to talk about. <laughs> Well, now, Julia, I really, really love your book. And I've read that someone said that it's like, uh, you know, a, a tongue-in-cheek self-help book. But I've actually found some really yeah. useful things in here that I don't know if I was supposed some... to take away as actually, I'm like, yes, I am someone who has a trigger-happy temper the older I get. I really relate to that. Yeah. Totally. Well, here's the good news. It comes back under control in about two two or three years because I'm 53 and I reckon at 45 my perimenopause started when Dan got his breast cancer and then over like the increasing fury over those years that followed and, um, oh, it must have been a, um, then I, I think it, it, the peri lasted for me for about, five years or that's my version of it I, I'm it's not going to last for everyone for five years but that's what it did for me and then menopause came and then menopause eventually lifted thank god and with it lifted what I call in the book the fist of fury where I I, I can feel you know like those old Gaviscon ads where you'd see all the bile all <laughs> lifting up or the acid lifting up through that's what that's what was happening with I'm going to kill someone fury so I start end up seeing a psychologist to try and teach me some skills to recognise when that fury is rising and seeing if there's anything that I can do about it before I want to rip someone's throat out. <laughs> and she definitely, definitely helped me. And then in lockdown, when that happened last year, I, uh, Dan and I were talking about you know, um, global celebrities giving tips on how we can live on, in our own homes. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> Fuck off, mate. And so uh, <laughs> yeah. 
we just it was started with some banter of like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, like the power of negative thinking. Yeah, that's funny. What about this? And then we just wrote this book together. I mean, how we didn't kill each other is beyond, but um, we sat down and each did, you know, sort of uh, Dan is mad for self-help books and I am um, not. So... <laughs> I find it all just like, oh, yeah, self-help, fuck off. Just get up out of bed. Surely if you wake up alive, it, I mean, oh, self-help. <laughs> so it felt like a genre we really wanted to weigh into because I remember someone saying years ago, if you want to write about something and have the comedy through it, make sure it's something you hate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good advice. Isn't it good? Well, good on you for being able to flesh it out a bit because I'd imagined it would have just been the one sentence of wake up and eat some chocolate raspberries. Yeah. Well, that was the, definitely the joy. What, 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 we, what we started to sort of organise was all of the moments in the previous kind of five years where I had done a mini block but done the old implosion uh, privately. And so, like, when I say done my block, you know, <clears throat> there's a, a very early example in the book of going into a restaurant in Byron Bay and, no, you know, no judgment, Byron Bay, but, <laughs> you know, the, the, the chef would not do fried eggs because um, the chef in the, in, the, in the Beachside Cafe could not emotionally connect with frying the eggs. I'm not even kidding. That's what, that's what I was told. So I'm like... <laughs> Is there something else on the menu? And I said, oh, I'm not really into like the Akai stuff. And she's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Who are these people? Why is anyone speaking to me? <laughs> if you are in the menopausal fury when someone's coming at you and correcting you on how to pronounce fruit in a bowl, <laughs> it's very difficult to keep the lid on it. So um, I, I did something where I, I said to her, but, Hang on, there's fried eggs on the burger. She's like, no, that's right, but the burger is like another entity. <laughs> I mean, by now, I don't like, I, and my husband can feel it, my girls can feel it, everybody can feel it coming. They're like, oh, crack a toe, gonna blow. Here come, mama. <laughs> no, don't disrespect anybody who's working in their jobs. That is not my gig to carry it out either, but. I just, I just couldn't bear, as you were saying before, Joe. I couldn't bear not being right because I'm like, it couldn't be more ridiculous. You obviously make fried eggs, but it's not the girl who's, uh, you know, taking our orders for. So I ordered two burgers because there's just nothing more revolting than wasting food like that. And I just mm. thought, oh, that'll set the mung beans off on their own little path. And so <laughs> I ordered two burgers and 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 a, and a side plate. And put all the side stuff onto it, and like was just flicking, flacking, flicking, flacking off the eggs, and um, putting them onto some spare toast, and I won. And we got in the car, and I was like, mm, couldn't have been more smart. I was like, yeah, oh, the sweet, sweet, sweet taste of fried eggs, yeah. <laughs> and Dan's like, uh, are you okay? I'm like, well, like yes. Did you not just see that incredible win? And he said, "Yeah, well, no, absolutely. You, you, you won. It, it was one hundred and fifty dollars for breakfast, but <laughs> okay." And then, uh, then I sort of calmed down over the coming 
days. <laughs> so uh, I used a lot of those stories of where I thought I was totally right. And then we turned up the volume on the celebrity insanity, aren't I amazing, aren't I interesting? And then added a whole layer of everything we kind of had worked out of um, like almost backhanded cognitive behavioural therapy. So mm-hmm. it's there are definitely some tips that work in there. And then the rest of it is hopefully just laughing. Oh, I laughed a lot. I thought of you, Kirsty, in the chapter around social media because you are so active on social media, Kirsty. Yeah, I'm. I'm very active on Twitter, and so your chapter on anti-social media, Julia, about experiences with criticism online. It's one of my favourite topics because being quite active on Twitter, uh, people come for me all the time. So, just uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts Kirsty, around you social media? Yeah, oh, if, so I'm in, if I'm in if I'm in the wrong mood, I do. But yeah, yeah. So I, I try not to. But sometimes, if they catch me just yeah. in the right mood, I'll be like, right, and then I'll immediately regret it. I'll immediately be like, why As, oh, didn't you just walk on? Oh, what about the stench of regret that comes on immediately? <laughs> <laughs> Before you even why get into it, you feel knuckle? like no. I had so I, I've, I've got an, an extraordinary. Um, that's when I. Do, I think I sort of had to say goodbye to Twitter a little bit. I, I kind of live in the invisible universe in there, I, I, and I never read it because all the nastiness is so full on. But the fallout of Twitter, I had a. Um, I this is a couple of years ago, will be about five years ago to be honest. And I'd lost some weight and I was feeling amazing. I was forty five, and I'm like, check out this bikini. And you know when you're lying on holidays and you're looking down at your body, it actually looks quite good from that angle. The rest of the time, it's a horror show. So I take this photograph, popped it online, and I was definitely virtue signalling. I was definitely looking for compliments because I couldn't believe that I looked so good. So I was kind of like, hey. Anyway, loads of people. I've had I've had something like, I mean, uh, uh, I want to say 30 um little skin cancers off three of those have been malignant melanomas over my lifetime so i'm just covered in all these little scars right so somebody put it in somewhere in the in the print uh, in a little comment someone had said oh i see you've had the sleeve and i don't really go back to the comments because that's kind of the way i deal with it i'm like i'm gonna let it float and then i'm gonna just gonna have to say goodbye to her because Someone is always going to have misconstrued or hated or whatever, and I just I cut that feeling in the stomach when you read it is so horrible. Anyway, so I just let it go. Then, then somebody else said, "Oh yeah, that's definitely the sleeve." And there ended up being this weird sleeve discussion, right? I mean, I love sleeves because of this part of the arm's not ideal, but anyway. What is so, the sleeve? Sorry, I need to ask. Agent, what is the sleeve? Oh, well, stand by. So I didn't oh, know. Okay. So my agent gets this phone call and <laughs> says, um, "When did Julia have her gastric band surgery?" <gasps> I was like, what? And she's like, she's had the sleeve. There's a sleeve that goes over your stomach, apparently. Unreal. <laughs> Who knew? I, I mean, let's face it. I, I feel like after all of these years in the public life, I had a sleeve. I, like, I, I would open up the belly and show you the sleeve. I'd wear it like a badge. I'm very proud of whatever it is that I do. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yes, I've had Botox. I don't want to be impossibly fresh and they're bullshitting people about it because just mm. buying into all that, you know, the separation between uh, I've got money and I'm amazing and uh, good luck, everyone. I, I, well, I'm sure that's I'm not describing it properly. But anyway, yeah. 
the sleeve thing kept growing. My agent's like, God, must be a slow news day. And the journalist took offence to however she said. It's like, maybe, maybe dig out another story because it's not really like, you know, you're welcome to some pathology uh, results on those scars if you want, but as in, you know, how, how they got there. And then I was like, how, why am I entering into proving to the journalist that I haven't had, you know, it's pretty major surgery. Anyway, and... Anyway, so then it just kept growing, growing, growing. And finally, when I made my way back to whoever made the original comment, she had two followers and her photo was a scratching post with a pussycat on it. <laughs> and, that, and so now, even now, six years later, when I'm doing interviews for stuff and people, you know, especially lifestyle, how do you live your life as a lady? How does it work exactly? Um and I, it'll come up and say, <clears throat> so there, there was kind of some rumours that, you know, you'd had the sleeve. I'm like, how? From one lady with a cat, with a couple of followers, am I still answering surgery questions seven years later? So that's the sort of shit that sends me, fuck it, fuck. <laughs> So that's the stuff I need to, oh, calm down. Use prayer hands in an emoji. That should, that should uh, show my spirituality. Mm. I'd love to know what your psychologist <laughs> taught you about handling the rage around that sort of thing. Oh, my God. But, you know, as, as you both know, when someone says something nasty on the internet or gets or gets wrong what you've put out, you can't help. The human nature is that if you've put something out and you're proud of it and then someone slaps it down mm. or says that you're doing it for some uh, alternative um, reason... Oh, the the need to be just is so strong in me that that's that's what I want to come back with. But now through psychology, I think I've started to definitely started to live that feeling of oh, you can think what you like. I can't dispute that. I think I've still got a bit of PTSD from having to call off the sleeve. <laughs> It's also, I mean, you can't help but take it personally when people go you. Like, it gets you right. I feel it in my gut. Like, it really hurts me. Oh, it's totally what happens. And it's, you know, it's, um, uh, and the other thing, when I, now when I, I do sort of comb my comments in case something is uh, flaring up like sleeve gate. Mm-hmm. Um and then these days, so I, I, I was just deleting it, delete it, delete it, not reading it. I can see it's mean. And you're right, it gives you that punch in the stomach and you feel horrible. I feel like I want to throw up or something because it's still nasty words that we we don't really get nastiness in daily life. Like you're not getting nastiness down the street. You're not getting nastiness when you're in the supermarket. You, we're just not really exposed to we surround ourselves by people who adore us, so there's not much nastiness around us. So when someone's like, you know, Julia, you are you're not funny, you're fat and stupid, mm. and what you know, ugly and whatever, and I'm like, oh, I know, how have I been on the telly for thirty years? <laughs> Listen, just file something between the bookends if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> And of course, I can be all um, you know full of bravado when I'm saying that, but. 
the truth is it does actually hurt. So that's it's kind of ridiculous. We are still little soft souls, us poor mm. performers, aren't we? Well, we're human. Um, I want you to go and get the book. It's super funny. If you're sitting, I can't do that. Well, why don't we just put it up on the screen, Ro? We've got a digital version of it. Oh, there's modelling. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is halfway to boss. It's abs- a literary genius. The, well, when the, um, the publisher was saying, you know, like, do you want to reach out to some friends? You know, you've got a lovely friend in Dawn French. If you want to get a quote for your book or just Catherine Tate's an old mate or, you know, I've got so, so many wonderful, wonderful um, girlfriends who I could ask to endorse the book. And I said, but isn't there deluded celebrity would want to do their own quotes? And they're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, my God, it has to be done. So there's completely <laughs> just... The deluded quotes of a fully blown nutbag on the cover. I'm very proud yeah. of it. No, I love it. It's so great. Do go and get it. You're in lockdown. You need a laugh. Make sure you go get it. Click and collect. It's all out there. And um, my favourite chapter is the one that gives me permission to say yes to a party and then cancel. Loved it. Fantastic. The best. Well, the, and that's the thing. You don't even know you're going to cancel when you agree to it. When oh, someone I think says, you know what, let's all do such and such. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to wear? And oh, I'll put on makeup that night. That'll be exciting. And then, yeah, we get to about four o'clock. I'm like, I could smack myself in the face for saying yes to something social. And then by six o'clock and I've had my shower, I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. <laughs> I come out in my towel. And um, sit on the bed and the towels are done. I'm like, oh, God, the blow dry's still ahead of me. <laughs> and that's when I think, do you know what? Will I really mind if I cancel? I never lie. I'm just like, just, oh, I'm really sorry, I just can't make it. And then you've got a night ahead of you that you didn't expect, ladies. All to yourself. Honestly, it's like a gift to yourself, you know, cancelling and letting someone else down and yet feeding something you need in yourself. I really like that angle. I love it too. Uh, Thank you so much, Julie Morris. It's been an absolute delight to see you and what little of your eyes you're showing My coffee cup that Dan made me for Mother's Day, even though I'm not his mother. Awkward. (laughs) I need my other glasses on to really complete the joke. And maybe a red lip, but perhaps I'll make an effort another day. Oh, thank you so much, Julia. You all the best to you in lockdown and to Dan and the kids. Thank you. Thank We're you. hanging in there. Love to you both. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me on. Bye. <laughs> we'll have more broad radio after this. Well, Kirsty, if I could wave a wand and gift everyone on the planet one thing, it would be true. acceptance of ourselves. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be amazing. I think that's something we could all use. Yeah, and I think it's so tied up with how we see our bodies, which is why I'm really excited to welcome our next guest. Her name is Ashley Bennett. She is known on Instagram as the Body Image Therapist, and she's the author of a new book that's out called The Art of Body Acceptance. She's an art therapist and a counsellor, and she joins us now. Hi there, Ashley. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it is such a joy to see you. Um, I've really enjoyed our own conversations that you and I have had leading up to this interview because you're so inspiring and you make me feel like I'm completely normal because I don't think there's a woman on the planet who doesn't say mean things to herself when we look in the mirror. 
Um, where does that voice come from? Why do we do that to ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's so important that we do validate that it is very common. Um, it is completely normal to have these thoughts about ourselves to some degree. These thoughts actually are internalized. We have learnt them from somewhere and that's something really important to recognize. They don't just, you know, come out of thin air. And that's where we start, you know, when we want to start challenging these things. Now, Ashley, so often we tell ourselves everything will be better if I lose that last five kilos or I wish that wrinkle wasn't there or, you know, if there's something I could change about my body, I'd be happier. Now, what do you think it is that we're really yearning for when we want to change our bodies? Mm, well, I think at the end of the day, we all want to be accepted and we all want to feel a sense of safety in our world. Um, and I think as women, and I think all people, you know, men and you know, non-binary people, all people um, want to be accepted. And we think that the way to do that um, particularly for women, is through the way that we look. And that's something that we have been taught. Um, the other thing is, and this is something I've seen more through lockdown, is it's a desire for control. Um, so we play this sort of if-when game, and we don't just do it with bodies or weight. We do it with lots of things. So it's like if I lose this last five kilos or when you know, I can change this part of my appearance, then I'll feel better. We're kind of holding ourselves hostage, though, when we do that. Um, so control is a really big part of it. So when you say the voices have been put there externally, mm -hmm. how, from where? Like what's actually influenced us to think this way about ourselves? Mm, yeah, so... I often ask the question, you know, who does that voice sound like, that thought? And it's not the case for everyone, but some people will be like, oh, it's my auntie. I absolutely hear my auntie. Or, you know, um, the other part of it is the way that you've heard your body spoken about on the media. So for people who are in bigger bodies, um, talking about how, you know, if you're in that particular body, you're going to die sooner. And we internalize what we hear. We're like sponges. So it's really important that we look at, okay, where could this voice have come from? Getting curious about it. Now, Ashley, that voice and the way we view ourselves makes us really unhappy in general. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some little things that we can do to shift that and to move towards a bit more positivity surrounding ourselves? Mm, yeah. So I think it's um, important to really validate that for some people, these um, thoughts and you know feelings about themselves are really complex and it could be a part of something more deep like an eating disorder or even trauma so I always preface with if it's really impacting your life to get some professional help um, but one of the first things that you can do is start to recognize the voice and remind yourself that your body um, it's more important to focus on what your body can do rather than how it appears. So we have a tendency, particularly for women, to objectify ourselves. We just see ourselves as you know, a body to be viewed and assessed. Um, but it's important that we notice what it can do. You know, can my body hug my kids? Mm -hmm. Can I laugh you know, loudly with my friends? Things like that. So what, what it can do rather than what it looks like. 
I feel like that is so profound. And I've really noticed actually, Ashley, my daughter started playing footy. She's 12 mm. and it's a really physical game. And her experience of her body going into puberty uh, is so different to mine because I've never known my body as what it can do, its strength, its power, getting muddy and wrestling with my friends and all that sort of stuff. I've only ever known it sort of as what it looks like. And it's such a vastly different experience for her. So it's about, I guess, understanding our bodies and its lived experience, would you say? Yes, exactly. That's really important. Um, our bodies are capable of so many things. And I think you hit the nail on the head where a lot of us weren't taught that, oh, I can just be in my body unapologetically. Um, I think particularly for girls and like with your daughter, um, I, I don't have this experience so much because I played soccer growing up and I, you know, I really got in there. Um, but that we're allowed to be human and we're allowed to be really messy as well. Hear, hear. I like, I, I like that idea a lot. Uh, I had a, a great personal trainer a little while ago who, who mentioned to me how different uh, people perform when they start focusing more on uh, getting fitter or stronger rather than, you know, looking a certain way. And it certainly resonated for me uh, because I wanted to make those changes, of course. Uh, now, Ashley, also, um, I just wanted to ask you, we know that ideals of beauty and body are heavily influenced by the media. Now, what do you think the effects are and how much damage does lack of representation such as race, gender, sexuality, disability, how, how does that affect people? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that body diversity exists. It's a fact that we all have different types of bodies and um, if we're just seeing one type of body or race, gender, sexuality, ability, disability represented in the media, our brains can't help but compare ourselves to that. And in order for us to have a really healthy sense of ourselves, so just our personality and our body, we need to see ourselves reflected back to some degree from our world. And, you know, a lot of us consume media and I think social media these days. So it's our social mirror. We're not able to see ourselves. So it can be hard to internalize the sense of like, oh, yeah, I'm okay and I belong and I'm a part of this social group. So it has quite profound effects on people. And if you don't see yourself, then it's, an, it's a sort of a version of being silenced, isn't it? So you, mm. you feel like you have less power and people sort of attribute less power to you if you're not actually represented yeah absolutely also the thing you say there ashley around comparison uh one of my mm -hmm. favorite quotes is comparison is the thief of joy and yes. it's something i remind myself of because i get caught in this comparison kind of loop sometimes mm -hmm. not just about bodies but oh why has she got that job and I haven't got that job. I don't know if you do that, Kirsty. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you compare yourself all the time. Is that a natural human experience? Yeah, absolutely. Our brains are design, designed and hardwired to compare. What's important is that we recognise it, and that's something I've said quite a bit um, this morning. We start, we need to start becoming aware of these things and not judging ourselves for them, but being like, is this really helpful for me right now to be comparing? You know, is is it getting me anywhere productive, perhaps? Yeah. No, 
<laughs> Never. <laughs> now, Ashley, I'm fascinated by uh, something that you have mentioned, which is moral accolades mm. attached to doing healthy behaviours. So uh, in simple terms, I guess it's posting on social media like, hashtag on a hike um <laughs> wanting wanting people to see that we're living healthily uh now wh why are we doing it <laughs> what's it all about yeah well the thing is we have moralized health so much and there's nothing wrong with you know going and seeking out those health promoting behaviors if that's something you're really wanting to do um, but people have cottoned on to the fact that, you know, if I do these behaviours, I'm going to get some gold stars, whether it's uh, from my friends or just a perceived sense of I am a good moral person. Um, it also stems a little bit from weight stigma, which we might discuss a little bit uh, more. But that's where, um, you know, our bodies are perceived to be perhaps a little bit more devalued and almost wrong. So some people feel the need to prove that they're healthy or prove that they're doing something about it. Um, and that's where all these hashtag, you know, I, I drink a green juice today, yay, come from. <laughs> I hate those people. <laughs> um, I mean, effectively, Instagram wouldn't exist without half of the uh, moral accolades towards healthy living. Can you, though, speak more about weight stigma? Can you explain what that is and the impact that it has mm. on people? Yeah, so for some, it can be a really powerful term to learn, especially if you are in a plus size body or a bigger body. So weight stigma is a form of discrimination. So the best way to describe it is through examples. So some of you may have gone to the doctor with a sore throat and the doctor has said, have you thought about losing weight? Or um, they've even done research on this where two people, one person in a larger body and one person in a smaller body, they have the same um, credentials and experience and the person in the smaller body often gets preferenced more. So there's this sense that, you know, if you're in a larger body, you're somehow less than um, and it sort of falls into the stereotypes that people hold about um, people in larger bodies. Well, I would suggest that that's a deeply disturbing experience and it contributes to the shame that we have around our bodies. What, what can you say to people who may have experienced that? Yeah, so um, a lot of my uh, research, I did some uh, post-grad research, is in internalised weight stigma and how we adopt some of those stereotypes to ourselves. So some people in larger bodies believe that they are inherently lazy or that they're inherently out of control and sometimes it's more about validating that, yes, weight stigma exists and it's not just all in your head. And then it's about doing the personal work of really challenging those internalized beliefs. You know, like, are you really lazy? Some people in bigger bodies, um, you know, for the most part, they overcompensate so much and they're probably the most hardworking, um, reliable people that I've ever met. So sometimes the work is about starting there and just recognising these false beliefs that have um, developed. So, Ashley, tell us about the work that you do and the tools that you try to equip people with to break down these sorts of things. 
Yeah, so I am an art therapist and a lot of people are like, what's that? Um, it's also not just getting happy playing with crayons, which a lot of people think. Um, what I do is I use art more broadly to help people challenge um, this internal sense that they can't express themselves and that who they are is sort of unacceptable. So we use art materials as a bit of a testing ground. It's a safe enough space where you can, you know, take up space, you can make a mess, um, you can really challenge perfectionism that a lot of people um, have taken in, particularly women and particularly people with body image issues as well. So we use it as a bit of a testing ground. I love the idea of it, but um, yeah. I I'm kind of, I am someone who would be terrified to put text to, to paper, you know. So the idea is through art, you're really exploring complete acceptance of yourself again in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it kind of links to that broader topic of we feel that we can't express ourselves more generally. It's our body is unacceptable. You know, my singing ability is unacceptable. The way I paint is unacceptable and that I must keep myself in this you know, box that um, maintains the status quo and doesn't ruffle any feathers. So it's just one piece of the puzzle. I see that as. And Joe, we would not start with markers with you. We would give you paint. <laughs> so you'd ease me in to something a bit more gentle, a little less exactly. restrictive. I love yeah, the idea of that. Actually, the yeah. other thing that I read that you said recently on your Insta, which was that you encourage people to be naked as often as possible, to yeah. which I went, hells no, thanks very much. Got no interest in stacking yeah. my dishwasher in the Nikki Noona. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good news is you don't have to start completely like, stacking your dishwasher um, completely stark is. But I think it's a really good idea to start to familiarise yourself with your body. When you think about it, if parts of our body are clothed all the time, we don't really get to see it. And our brain has a bit of a reaction to it. So if we haven't seen a part of our body for a long time, our brain will look at it and be like, oh, is that a part of me? And sometimes that can be a jarring experience. So some of you may have gone into those, you know, change rooms where you see your back for the first time in a long time and you have a visceral response. You're like, oh, what is this? Spending more time alone with yourself. I mean, you can spend time with others if you want to. That's probably <laughs> next level stuff. Um, it's a great way for your brain to start to integrate that you have a whole body. It all exists. Wow. I don't know. What does that sound like to you, Kirsty? <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm quite a. Uh, I'm very on board with the the naked movement. So I, I think my neighbours are going to be upset that you're encouraging me in this department. <laughs> yes, I encourage a nudie run every now and again, like across the window. <laughs> Do you know what though? I actually did, like, for like an hour, I did do like a sort of a nature experience. It was in an office space, which was weird, but it was like I got naked with a couple of other women who I'd never met before and we kind of just stood around and talked and stuff, right? And I will say it was one of the most freeing experiences I've had because after about five minutes, you're like, oh, bodies are just like, they're just sort of like, cushions with hair that's what I kind of felt like it was just sort of there was, it just completely lost its meaning to be naked 
Yeah, absolutely. I refer to bodies as like meat suits. They're just like fleshy meat suits and they change. <laughs> and it's, that's what they're meant to do. I love it. Oh, Ashley, I, I just, it's so, it's so glorious to speak with you and you're totally liberating for me. I do encourage people to check out your Instagram, which is the body image therapist. Uh, do a little search there. Get the book. It's available online at Booktopia. I absolutely loved it. There's lots of beautiful creative exercises in there that you can do in the comfort of your own home without any judgment whatsoever. And you also provide online courses as well, Ashley. Mm, yeah, so I have a couple of courses, a taster one, which is called Positively Embodied and when you use clay and you don't need any art experience either. And then there's a longer program called Creatively Embodied where we really get into the core of, you know, what keeps that those body image thoughts um, revolving around. Because they do and you're totally normal. I love it. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's been gorgeous to speak with you. Thanks for having me. We'll have more Broad Radio after this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Broad Radio. Talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis? We've got you covered. Broad Radio. Here for more. Well, the Olympic Games start this Friday, Kirsty. Are you a fan? I'm a massive fan. I can't believe that it's actually happening. I, I still can't believe it's happening. Is it really <laughs> happening? <laughs> I feel like anything could happen between now and Friday, but fingers crossed <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but because I know absolutely nothing about sport and I'm not going to pretend that I do, we're welcoming to the show someone who is a true expert in this. She's a sports journal and founder of Siren Sport. Check it out, sirensport.com.au. Kate O'Halloran, hello. It's lovely to see you. Good morning. You too. Uh, so I guess one of the biggest stories that have evolved in the last few days is Liz Cambage uh, and that she removed herself from the Opals. What happened? It's so disappointing to see her go. I know, I know. Well, yeah, there were media leaks, um, I guess, just before her announcement that she was going to withdraw that 
you know, she had a physical altercation with the Nigerian team and that, you know, possibly her teammates weren't keen for her to participate in the Olympics as part of the Opals. She then later came out and said, um, actually, I'm withdrawing on the basis of mental health concerns. Um, I've been having really bad problems with anxiety. Um, this is not necessarily a new thing for Liz, uh, but, you know, she said, look, this is a decision that's been coming for a while and I'm really upset, actually, about the media leaks. Uh, you know, certainly, um, yes, there was an altercation with the Nigerian team. It's on film. I'm happy to own that. But you know, this really is being driven by my mental health concerns and I need to sit it out. I just can't be part of an Olympics where there's no fans, no family, no friends. I have to be in a bubble. That's just not a situation that's conducive to um, good mental health for me. So, yeah, it's a real shame for Liz and, and for the Opals, I think. That is a massive decision to make as well. Like, what a huge life-changing thing to have to go through. Uh, now, Kate, you just touched on a few things that Liz was going to have to go through if she competed at the Olympics. What do you reckon Olympics during COVID is going to look like as a whole? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be really weird. <laughs> a bit like the last few years have been for all of us. I don't know how long it's been going on for now. It feels like about a decade. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I did see someone say the other day, you know, imagine uh, training your whole life to compete at the Olympics. If this is the only one you ever make and there's actually not even a spectator there to watch, <laughs> it's sort of like, yeah, that's unreal. I mean, what what is without fans, without an audience, without a stage, um, with people cheering. I, I don't know. I just, yeah, we know that some athletes have actually withdrawn on that basis, just not being prepared to actually participate without crowds. But really, um, you know, there was a lot of pressure from the Japanese government in particular because um, polls, opinion polls consist consistently showed that um, Japanese citizens were not happy about the Olympics going ahead. So I think particularly with the Delta variant circulating, um, you know, having no crowds there was a concession really to, to the public sentiment about the Games going ahead. But, I mean, I would be really nervous if I was an athlete heading there. Is there, I mean, I wonder if there's a sense amongst the team that they're actually taking some risks being there, even travelling. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, we've already seen some positive cases emerge. Uh, initially, it was, you know, officials, media and so on. But now we've had um, play athletes as well. I mean, Coco Goff from the US uh, participating in tennis had to withdraw because of COVID-19 diagnosis. Same thing happened to Alex Dimenauer, the Australian men's tennis player. Um, you know, particularly for, I guess, people who are, particularly concerned with their physical health and, and output as an athlete. Yeah, I, I wonder how many of them are actually fearful about being there and, and the consequences of actually contracting COVID-19 as part of uh, participating or the opportunity to participate. I think that is probably one of the things that's led to some of them to withdraw before even getting there. That makes sense. I mean, COVID-19 is keeping me away from Bunnings, so <laughs> I can absolutely appreciate that. <laughs> and what a sacrifice you're making, Kirsty. <laughs> it's not just for me, it's for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kate, I've read somewhere that uh, there, there's the most women this year participating on the Australian team. 
Have we? Uh, do we have a sense of the numbers around that? Well, it's a, it's actually the most women at an overseas Olympics, but I think at one point it was about two hundred and fifty-four. I think was the number initially, but obviously we've had people withdraw since. But yeah, that's particularly exciting. There's also a new uh, tradition at the games now that each nation's led out by a woman and a man. So of course we've got um, Kate Campbell leading out Australia alongside Patty Mills, the first Indigenous flag bearer for Australia as well. So, And um, both are heading into their fourth Olympics. So, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time um, for Indigenous Australians but also women with the largest contingent going over to Tokyo. What an extraordinary athlete Kate Campbell is. We just saw an image of, of her training there with the mask on. I mean, even that, it's quite... It's shocking in a way. It's sort of jarring to go, well, how can you be an athlete? I can't go for my power walk around the dog park without being out of breath. And there she is with the mask on training. It's amazing. But it must be such a strange experience too for them to be doing the opening ceremony with no crowds. What are they going to be doing? Walking around, waving at no one. That's weird. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I mean, who are they going to be waving at? <laughs> because that's that's the image that sticks in my mind of the opening ceremony is waving to the crowd. It's, <laughs> it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. I was just going to say, what a great year if you're a shy athlete, though. <laughs> <laughs> the introvert Olympics. <laughs> It's true. Tell us about Kate Campbell. I can't believe she's made four Olympics now. I know. I think I read that she's the third Australian woman as a swimmer to make it to the four, their fourth Olympic Games along Emily Seabohm and um, Liesl Jones. So, yeah, she's um, competing in the 50 and 100 metre freestyle at Tokyo. should also be part of the freestyle and, and medley relay team. So, yeah, just an incredible achievement. Obviously, she's won the two Olympic golds and a silver and a bronze as well. So, yeah, really um, stood up on the international stage for Australia. And, yeah, it's so weird seeing that image of her in a in a mask. I get puffed out walking upstairs with a mask. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how us swimmers do it. At least they don't have to wear it in the pool, I guess. That would be particularly weird. <laughs> Now, our youngest Olympian is 17 years old from Queensland, Molly O'Callaghan. Tell us yeah. about her. Yeah, so swimmer as well. So she she should be participating probably in our medley team alongside um, Kaylee McEwen as well. So um, if you don't know about her, she's also 20 years old. It's amazing to think of the age of some of the uh, most famous names that we've got in our swimming team um, McEwen as well broke the 100 metre backstroke world record um, by more than a tenth of a second in, in trials leading up to the Olympics. I know I've um, pivoted to her, but I'm just thinking the amazing nature of these young swimmers we've got going. And she um, broke three national records in one weekend earlier this year the 200 metre, 100 metre, and 50 metre backstroke. So I'm really excited about um, the medley and uh, relay teams that we're going to have particularly for our Australian women. Yeah, I when Kaylee McEwen won that or beat that world record in trials, I thought, you know where my mind went? The pressure on her now, the whole of Australia <laughs> wants her to win gold. And I think mm -hmm. that we are so unfair, particularly to our swimmers. We have this huge expectation and she's 20. Like how yeah. do you handle that kind of pressure? Uh, it's unreal. It's sort, of, it's sort of like that old saying that... Um, 
you know, the bronze medalists always look happier than the silver medalists at the Olympics because <laughs> even coming second in the world is considered a failure when, you, when you're a world record breaker. It's unreal, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it will be interesting to see who steps up in this context. Like, like you were saying, I mean, is it, is it the ones who do better without a crowd, without um, sort of all the attention that derives from having so many people there when you're trying to compete? I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see, um, yeah, who succeeds in this environment. What are, you, what are you most looking forward to? What are, you, what are your Olympic sports of choice? Um, I mean, I, I quite like the unusual ones that you don't get to see, you know, outside of the Olympics. So, you know, tennis, you know, soccer or football, you know, I, I get to see that at the, the World Cup or Wimbledon. But, you know, things like archery, diving, gymnastics, um, we've got some really exciting sports being debuted actually as well. So there's um, climbing, skateboarding, karate, surfing and softball, I think. Uh, sorry, not softball, it's been at the Olympics before. But, yeah, just seeing um, climbing and, and skateboarding and those sort of sports, I, I really like the uh, the more unique ones. So what about you two? Kirsty? I was looking at the ones being debuted as well. Like I'm looking forward to seeing the skating and surfing. And then outside of that, I'm with you. Like I, I go wild for a bit of synchronised swimming, a bit of gymnastics <laughs> all over it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> synchronized swimming gets a bad rap. <laughs> I, I love it. It's an art. It really is. I mean, all of us have tried to go upside down in a pool before. It's not easy. <laughs> it's really not. You know, my favourites. I've realised I've got a. I've got a bit of a passion in my favourites. I like the hurdles, and I like weightlifting. Um, I like the equestrian. And I've realised it's anywhere where people can fall and hurt themselves. <laughs> I quite that's like the jeopardy different. of it all, which is a bit, maybe that's a bit unkind. <laughs> I was thinking that when you listed them, I'm like, wow, the ones where people break their bones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, There's been that freestyle this year too, so there'll be a few broken bones at that one. <laughs> which one's that? I'll be um, watching Oh, yeah, BMX freestyle. So it's quite similar to skateboarding. They sort of go up the, the ramps and do aerial tricks. And I think we've got Natalia Deem representing Australia and she's had four knee constructions, knee reconstructions and a, a host of broken bones. So let's hope she gets through wow. unscathed. Yeah, that is, yes. that is insane. Well, thank you so much for giving us that amazing preview of the Olympic Games and being the expert that I cannot be. Um, Kate O'Halloran, it's been lovely and we'll have to catch up with you again to, uh, you know, get a, a, a refresher of what's going on with the Olympic Games in future weeks. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Kirsty, it's been such a delight to spend the last hour with you on Broad Radio and you've brought a little superstar with you. I'm so happy. It's been a joy. This is little Joan. Say hello, Joan. <laughs> Say hi. Hi, Joan. Joanie. Joan, Joan. Journey. Oh, oh hi. I lost it. <laughs> hey, so how old is Joan? Joan's 11 weeks old. Oh, my God. She's a wee her. baby. <gasps> she's oh, so this. cute. Oh she's, oh, she's not happy. She's, Oh, oh, she's she's in the middle of a play, so she's got stuff to do. Yeah. 
She's pretty busy, Joan. I have a few questions for you about Joan before we wrap up. Um, first question, Kirsty, is Joan named after Joan Kerner, Joan Didion, Joanie and the Jets, <laughs> <laughs> Joanie Mitchell? Joan Jet. Joan, Joan Jet. Jet. she's so beautiful powerful woman yeah absolutely and um knowing how fluffy your cat is if you got some kind of thing going on with like bouffant animals yes i apparently we do my partner said that we are curating a perfectly bouffant household (laughs) so i'm happy with that (laughs) i don't want to sit on a couch in your house though you'd be covered in hair in seconds (laughs) oh i tell you what i've got that vacuum out constantly (laughs) Well, I've got an admission to make, okay, um, as we wrap up. I've always believed that everybody thinks their dog is the best dog, right? Everybody does. And I'll show you a picture of my dog, Daisy, so that so people know, like, she's pretty amazing. Daisy, Aww. the radio dog. But when I look at Joni, I'm pretty close to calling dead heat. She's so beautiful. Oh, no. Has Kirsty frozen on us? You know what? The system's just melted down and how cute she is. We have got to the end of our show. It's been so lovely to have you with us on Broad Radio and I don't know where Kirsty's gone, but anyway, we will have her on again soon. You have a great week. We'll see you on Broad Radio next week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.